Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another Bucks of America podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Vance, and tonight we have a fun group here. Actually, I have a group. There's 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 uh, there's five of us on six of us total here that will be talking tonight, and I'll make sure we interview us, but it's like these are the, the gentlemen, the, the the guys and the gal, if, if Caroline decides to spake up, it's these guys are from the Forgotten Trails Outdoors, and these guys are based in uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, but these guys seem to have a really good knack at uh, communication, looking at really good yeah. pictures, building a nice com- community around themselves, and they got an up-and-coming uh, process of what they're going to be doing. They're really just kind of growing their their image, and they got the right people around each other, and they have a, a beautiful focus on where they want to go. So I'm going to let these guys start taking over. So why don't you guys start at the top and introduce each other? Well, we'll just come out swinging then. Um Yeah. I'm Ryan, and Eric will be in the lower right part of the screen. Um, we've just been hunting together for, like, I don't know, the past – since we both, I think, came back from college in 2015. Mm-hmm. I think we even putted around with a little bit throughout high school. and uh, So me and him have known each other the longest out of the pretty much, I think, everybody in the group. Um, and for the past couple of years, we've just been tossing around the idea of, you know, maybe starting something small on Instagram, just posting up pictures of like what we're doing, what we've been up to. Um, and slowly but surely, we're, we're, we're turning out some followers, you know, just posting up what we've been up to. Mm-hmm. Who wants to introduce themselves next? Uh, I'll go. Uh, um, also, Ryan. Uh, Ryan and, and I met in college. Um, I honestly didn't do a lot of hunting in, uh, until I got out of the National Guard in 2018. Uh, bought a bow. Ryan and I lived together in a mm-hmm. small apartment. So his hunting stuff was overflowing into the space, and he convinced me to buy a bow. And we've just been doing that ever since. Um, recently we took a duck hunting trip just like I didn't even know 10 minutes away from, you know, my house. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I'm hooked on duck hunting and honestly the like, screw the bow, you know, I'd rather go sit in the (laughs) duck blind now. Uh, Cause I'm so sick and tired of like having to be ultra quiet and worry about my scent and which way the wind's blowing, you know, look, look at the same 40 trees for six to seven hours a day. Yeah, especially because I'm not the uh, – um, uh, although my wife thinks I do, I don't spend a lot of money on my hunting gear. So I'm the I'm the sitting up against the tree guy with my bow and mm-hmm. uh, scare him into Eric. So, <laughs> uh, Which is exactly what happened this year. <laughs> yeah. all, right. all right, Eric, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, Eric, um, so yeah, like Ryan was saying before, we've known each other since like high school – uh, through sports, we shared a study hall together and, you know, went to all those school dances. Uh, I ended up moving away for about seven years. We stayed in contact, uh, mostly just through like fishing when I'd pop home back to Northeast Ohio. 
Uh, we just kind of kept that relationship going, which was, it kind of worked out very well because we could go months, three months without talking. And when we come back together, it'd be like, Hey, what's up best friend. And we would just pick up exactly where we left off. Um, my background was mostly fishing. So I, I just fished all over the States and about 2015, 2016, he's like, Hey man, let's bring to the dark side of hunting. Um, and uh, his family and friends had some property down in Southern Ohio. And I think my first son with him was turkey hunting. It was me, Ryan, and one other guy, Tyler. Um, so kind of got me kicked off on turkey hunting. And then about a year later, he's like, hey, let's go deer hunting. And I didn't even pick up a bow for a while. Uh, I was using hand-me-down crossbows. And then he took me out with a shotgun. I never had my own stuff. I was just like borrowing. I was like, if, if I recall, I think that first year, uh, I think you were hauling some shit around in a milk crate about like 10 to 12 acres back. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Out of Tyler's I, I, place. And then you sat on that. <laughs> yeah. I sat on a milk crate for a long time and I just carried it with two hands. I'd walk <laughs> a mile, two miles out, everything, buckets, coats. It, it was miserable, but I guess, you know, it was kind of, if you were a budget hunter who could only get their supplies from like Walmart or Super K, I was riding that style for years. And then probably about two years ago, we, me and Ryan finally like, hey, we got a little bit of money. Let's spend it. And we switched to saddle hunting, which is just amazing. Before that, we were sitting in tree stand, climbers. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't know if it just got dangerous or our gear was starting to get old, but we were just trying to start move with move in with technology and um, with the whole kind of movement of kind of like hunting public lands and just who knows where we're going and just trying to lower the weight of all our gear. Saddle hunting was great. And uh, well, we just got tired of carrying the, like the old school summit stands. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you remember the company. They're called Gorilla uh, Gorilla Tree Systems or uh, Gorilla Tree Stands. Okay. They, they weighed like 30, 40, 50 pounds. And the old Summit that I had was like one of their first models that ever came out. Mm-hmm. So we just got really sick of hauling around, you know, all that all that weight back into public land, which they, is a pain. It's different if you have a four-wheeler, you're putting around on your own private land. You get things from A to B without working up a sweat. But most of... Uh, you probably know, and I know all, all the guys here do. It's November, end of November, getting December when you're dripping in sweat at you know, 4.30 in the morning and you're going to be wet for the rest of the day. It, we had to make some kind of a change. Yeah, I don't blame you there. I've been in your shoes too because it's like I used to used to have private land and now I'm on public land. So now it's like I just carry three three sticks with the burlap that you can buy the Allen ones that have the yep. camouflage. I walk in, find a bed, find a stump, and sit down. I've had uh, multiple deer come within five to twelve yards from me, and they didn't even bother. And it's like my scent control is on point. I just remain absolutely still. It took me like fifteen minutes. I did when I finally was able to get my bow up in a, in a, in a position to shoot. It took me like fifteen minutes to do it, but it's like it's a whole different challenge when you just walk in, sit down. It's, it is a lot of fun because it's like you have to really pay attention to your surroundings, but also what's behind you. When you're up in tree stand, you, it doesn't matter which way they come from. When you're on the ground, it's like gonna, they could possibly walk right behind you. Uh, this past early season, my wife came on and sat with me uh, for, uh, one of the times, and we had a deer walk just five yards to her right. And it just, it just came up underneath this ridge. 
underneath this, so this little drainage ditch, and she popped up right there. And then she saw my wife, and it's like she just booked, just walked down because he couldn't quite make out what was there, but she knew something was there. And she just walked down the edge of the line, and then something spooked her and sent her back around. Then, son of a gun, she just walks around 45 minutes later, comes the other side of us, 15 yards out. And then, by the time we even had a chance to react, the deer already saw us and booked it. Man, yeah, I I grew up ground hunting. That was that was the whole start of you know from childhood up until I think about I hit college. I mean, I think we've all sat in those good homemade uh, deer stands before that mm-hmm. your dads threw together. You know, after about a half case of beer and a couple two by fours and called it good enough. You know, yeah. and I swear to God, we still got a couple of them standing out on the private land spot where the old guys go. But I don't I don't think they can support the wind blowing on them for about another two years before they yeah. finally fall over with the tree. But yeah, it's just nice to be able to finally make some advancements up through some gear and get in. I mean, me and me and Sumner, or, or sorry, me and Eric have really gotten into uh, saddle hunting hard now, and I'm all in on it. If I can cut out carrying a bulky stand and still have room for my pack and everything else, I think that was our best move for us. All right. So, Andrew, well, if you are you finally in the situation where you can to chat and introduce yourself? I am. Sorry, uh, work never stops uh, with the Army. Uh, so I'm Andrew. The friends call me Bean. Um, I met Ryan Sumner, let's see, 2000, 2011 down at college, the Ohio University. Uh, I think I met Dengate. I don't know when. It's hard to describe when you actually first see someone. Um, mm-hmm. the, the best is I, I probably woke up one Saturday morning a little hungover, and he was probably sleeping on the couch, and we've been yep. probably ever since. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's never gone away. Uh, I've got some friends like that. <laughs> uh, I met Caroline. Let's see. Caroline I met 2012, Ohio University. Uh, met Eric uh, just uh, God, a year ago. That we was turkey hunting. That was April, yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, just uh, just after all the COVID stuff, met him on a three or four day excursion down uh, southeast Ohio. Had a great time down there with him and Ryan Dengate. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm maybe the the most novice hunter that they have mm-hmm. uh, that we have. Uh, maybe even the most novice angler. I never did much fishing growing up, which uh, or hunting really, uh, which is ironic because my father's father was a big i don't want to say hillbilly he just was maybe an imbecile uh down <laughs> southern, southern ohio uh just my dad would visit him back in the you know 80s and there'd be frozen water in his trailer's sink and that's how my grandfather lived uh my dad would find him with 30 beagles in a in a chicken coop uh, you know out in the middle of the woods and he's like Arthur, what are you doing? And that's the life you lived. Uh, but my dad never had that bug. I never had that bug growing up. Uh, I think later in high school, uh, I did a little bit of bird hunting, going to, you know, pheasant farms or whatever, but that was the extent of it. Uh, Ryan Dingate invited me. I'll say this was the fall of 17, maybe. We were debating this the other day. If it, was it was either fall of 16 or 17. It was really? Okay. It might have been 17 then. He took me out crossbow hunting uh i'll say the first week or two of september i had a terrible yep. time fell in love with it uh bought a bow the next year uh and have kind of been doing it ever since i'm uh i just got my first uh first year the other weekend uh which was super gratifying rewarding and uh, uh a bunch of words that i can't describe it's 
it's uh, an amazing feeling because uh, I know everybody else has, you know, got these really cool hunting stories and I've never really had one. Most of my hunting stories are about the camaraderie that we share between, you know, us, us crazy people that had met through some random chance at life. Uh, and I finally got a story of, of, you know, from the, the, the depths of failure to the success and redemption of, you know, getting a, getting an animal. Uh, so I finally had that story and I, it never would have been possible without these folks. That's fantastic, man. I'm glad you that the, these guys came into your life to be able to get you out there and become addicted to the sport. Cause once you get it, once you get that bug, it's like you, you, all you do is you live and eat and breathe hunting. It's like you're learning about different techniques, tactics, clothing, what's coming out of your linear. And then, then you go to the next level, you start looking for where can you find really good deals at and figure out what you can replace with and what you can swap out. It's, it's never ending battle, man. It's like, you, you never stop growing. It's, it's such it's such a great time. Cause you know, you, you go and you, you, you do these hunts and stuff to get away and relax. And it's, it's, uh, it's really great to go back to that primal, you know, feeling of, you know, I, we're just out here, we're having fun or, you know, you can take it to the next level and like, I need to eat. And, uh, these guys do a great blend. And I think they introduced that blend to me very well. And that's, uh, that's why we've, we've been doing what we're doing and we're enjoying every, every step of the way. That's awesome. Uh, Caroline, are you going to join or? You might be being shy. Can you guys hear me? We can. Yes, we can. Okay, great. Sorry, I'm overcoming a migraine and Ooh. you guys get to look at my beautiful picture while I lay here in the dark under the covers to talk okay. to you. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, so I've known everybody but Eric for quite some time now. Um, I was most closest with um, Bean, Andrew, who just spoke. Um, and funny enough, he was actually my uh, neighbor when we lived in the dorms in college. And this past summer, when we were both on the Ohio National Guard's full-time uh, COVID response, he ended up being pretty much my neighbor again in Army housing. Um, and we kind of reconnected. And um, we've always stayed in touch, though, since college. And um, he basically was telling me about uh, Forgotten Trails and uh, Ryan, who was trying to put together this page that um, surrounded, well, this uh, Instagram page for the outdoors and um, me having a background in photojournalism and content creation, stuff like that. Uh, he asked um, the group, he's like, hey, you guys should, you know, have Caroline help you guys out with this. Um, and, you know, she grew up hunting and all this, all that kind of thing too. So she's kind of the full package and can help, you know, um, help you build your brand. Um, so that's kind of how I was brought into the group. Uh, I grew up hunting. My dad is pretty much an old school mountain man. Um, I did a lot of deer hunting, a little bit of bird hunting, um, some unsuccessful turkey hunts. Uh, but yeah, um, that's pretty much the gist of me. Um, uh, it's just so weird how, um, we kind of all like came back together. We've minus Eric, uh, we were always all in the same circle of friends. Um, some of us not so close with the other, but we've always just, it's just weird. Like the networking and how everything kind of comes full circle and how we're here today with you. 
That's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's that's, that's a fantastic point. Like networking is a big thing about hunting. It's like the biggest thing is is collaborating with a bunch of people, a bunch of friends, because we we can become our our own worst enemies. And like all we're about is just developing each other's spider webs. Because it's like my spider web could uh, branch off into Ryan. Like I could find him someone that could hook up, and then getting uh, Andrew some new gears. When it's like it's fun and how you can introduce new people to your your group. And it's like it's all about uh, who you know and then who knows you to be cute create that bad blossoming so so you said so it sounds like you guys came together with this uh this outfitters this outfitting page back in 2017 correct right no no we 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 initially started out me and eric were just like taking um hiking trips hunting trips mm-hmm. and i think our like our, one of our first like big thought process on putting something together like this was in 2017 but we hadn't put anything together since like 2020 like mm-hmm. when we actually got live with the Instagram page. Um, but when we really first started throwing this idea around, we were on a huge hike in the, uh, on the Appalachian trail. Okay. And, uh, we just started throwing around the idea of like, you no, know, like just, just something small for us. And then as that progressed year by year, we, we started like just throwing names around, like just, just for fun, running small lists. Like if we were going to put in like put something together, um, what, what would we call it? This and that just, just odds and end things on this year. or Well, that'd be last year already. Um, and we said, well, let's just try and let's just see what happens if we get, if we kick something off. And, you know, I guess there are people that do want to see something, somebody else's story about being outside. Yeah. The first time I heard about it, it was uh, after the elk hunt. And then um, when we were down hunting in Baroque, it was like, Hey, uh, you know, we're putting a scene together. Do you want to help out? And it's just like, you know, just the, just the group and that's when it really i think we were all sitting around the, i think this was like five minutes before bean broke his tooth on the pork chop bone yeah yeah um, <laughs> it was like hey we're gonna is that story it. already on here somewhere i must have missed that no no, 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 no. i don't know somebody mentioned your broken tooth uh i think ryan <laughs> yeah. did but yeah. not how it, no, how it happened i was not aware of that detail yeah, we had a, we had our first uh, our first major our first major injury this year, um, assault by pork chop on Bean's front tooth, Ooh. and he looked like he looked like a good Appalachian folk for I don't know almost two months waiting for that. His dad's a dentist, but we had to wait three months to see a new tooth get put in his face. Yeah, it uh, it took over three months to get a new tooth in my in my cranium. So, did you go with an implant? Uh, yep, I went with an implant. I had that <laughs> crown, not that specific crown, but I had a crown for nearly 20 years. So mm-hmm. uh, I followed some solid dental advice from my resident's father slash dental <laughs> expert, and he said, let's go with the implant. So he hooked me up with another dentist, and we got the implant in. I remember you not wanting to take any of our dental advice, which was good yeah. gold tooth. Yeah, that looked great out in the woods, man. <laughs> the gold, uh, gold incisor. It had been too reflective. The animals would have seen me a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's stopping us from catching deer. Yeah. <laughs> no, then, so Eric was, I, I've been off social media for quite some time now. So Eric was the one that put it in full swing one day and just like sent me the link. And he's like, Hey, I made something. I'm like, Oh, let's, let's get this rolling. Let's just post up some pictures once in a while. So now whenever we go out and do something normally, I mean, we we're not, we all work nine to five jobs, the, whether if it's the military, Eric's in the medical profession, 
Brian's already out and we're both police officers at this point. So mm-hmm. we're not the Instagram influencers that can go out and do cool shit every day. So we're, we take multiple photos from different trips when we go out. So certain things end up on the page at certain times, but we're more than willing to always share the content. That's always good then. And then, uh, So then when, when you guys do your traveling, do you guys stick primarily just to Ohio or do you guys have been branching out to different regions? Well, this was the first year that, like, I think it was Eric last year, if you want to take over on this one, it was like November, December, we're like, let's go do some some crazy shit out west. Yeah, I think our first out-of-state trip for me and Ryan was the elk trip we did in southern Colorado. And we happened to just pull tags on a, a secondary draw, and we both got bull tags for that in draw. In the which same was unit. In the same <laughs> unit, wow. which was like unheard of. And he had just like, hey, for uh, just for giggles, let's just plot, you know, let's just do this. And then I think we went second week of September, and it was just crazy. I went on a family vacation to Myrtle Beach, and then I had a one-day turnaround time to get all my hunting stuff together, and then we are driving. We drove all the way out to Denver because we both got brand new Kafaru backpacks. So, um, yeah, yeah, we got new backpacks. Mine wasn't there. Mine and mine ended up being shipped to my house. (laughs) This was there. So he was riding in luxury. Um, We didn't, uh, it was unsuccessful hunt uh, from killing an animal, but we had a great time getting to know each other. Uh, Colorado had a freak snowstorm that week. We were way up 9,000, 10,000 no, feet. Our first, our first four day, first three or four days, we did it 11,000 feet. Yeah. And that was a huge snowstorm that came through Colorado. Like, uh, it was either the first or second week mm-hmm. of bull season. And the whole state was like freaking out because they hadn't seen that much snow in that long. And yeah, we were, uh, we were all dressed for nothing but, you know, good September hunting. And our yeah. first three days went below freezing at night piled up snow on the truck in the tent and so it was it was it was a hell of a time yeah that was a heck of a time i was uh i had a, uh, dana's uh scullia she's from wisconsin here and she did a bear hunt here a couple years ago and they got caught in avalanche which because it's the the, oh the trail they're on a bear they're on a backcountry bear hunt i can't remember what state they're in but the and there was an avalanche and they ended up washing out their uh the trail to get back down to where their, their vehicle was. And so that took us on navigating there. And then I don't know if you guys are familiar with Donnie Vincent. He has been on like nope. Joe Rogan's podcast. He's been on a few other different people's podcasts, but he's a big, uh, he's does a lot of um, uh, movies. He, he actually puts the time in putting in build, making movies and creating like an hour and a half long content. He actually just lives like mm, an hour and a half North of me, but uh, he talks about one of his experiences of catching, nearly catching, uh, getting a hypothermia. Because they were in a situation like you guys itself, where so a freak snowstorm came in, and right. they were in just basic uh, September weather gear, and all. Of it, and it's like, but they they decided to be a little uh, ballsy and got themselves in a little bit of trouble. But knocked the wood, him and his friend made it out alive. So that's it. There's crazy things like that can throw you off. Because like I don't like where I hunt here in Wisconsin, we have a lot of tough bluff, bluff country, and some places you don't have a whole lot of. Uh, service and so one of the things we I had to do this season because I, I want i did climb some bluffs and stuff to to see what i come up with and get a different point of view of the land but uh if i would have got injured i was by myself so it's like when i got to a spot where i had a uh service i sent a message to my wife giving her the coordinates so this way if something bad happened to me like at least at least they have a starting point on the side of the bluff 
Right. Yeah, and that, that came into a huge consideration for us this year, um, just trying to be safe back there. Because the first three days we did spend at the truck, um, camping outside of it. But the last six, seven days of our trip, we spent, uh, I think we made base camp about six miles in. Mm-hmm. Um, no ATVs. I think, dirt, I think there were dirt bikes allowed, but other than that, it was all foot traffic on the majority of the trails we were on. And so this year, getting back in there, we ended up investing in one of those spot GPS, just the basic spot GPS to track. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if some, some random shit had happened or something popped off, we at least had a, a bailout plan on us. Cause I mean, there was, there wasn't any, there was no, nothing out there. There was nobody out there. I think the whole time we saw maybe a couple of dirt bikes go by and the most people we saw was on our last day, right at the trailhead, wow. but it, it was a hell of an experience though. Yeah, we we were worried because at that same time, Colorado was having those like fires yep. up north and we're, you know, we're looking at the sky. It's a little bit hazy and we're just like, is it coming for us? You know, <laughs> we we just missed it. Um, but it was just crazy to think that we're out there and we're just looking at these amazing landscapes. You know, you're drinking coffee and you're just like, how the heck did I get here? You know, you're we're high fiving each other. We're best friends. You know, we're living life. And it was just—it was amazing. amazing. Yeah. Yes, go ahead, Ryan. Oh, uh, we're and we're definitely going to be going back this year. We're 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 still torn between a couple different units where we want to go, but um, it's definitely going to be back down in Southern Colorado somewhere. Well, that's all. So you guys are going to uh, have applied already? Not you? yet. Not yet. Uh, Colorado, I think, opens up near March the end 1st. of March. Yeah, mm-hmm. March or yeah, March. I just got somewhere inside out. of March. Yeah, I just <laughs> got mine in the mail. <laughs> I just got mine in the mail. <laughs> so March 1st is like the general application where you can get right. it. Um, so we'll apply for that. Obviously, if we don't get anything, uh, I think towards June, we'll we'll try that secondary draw yep. again, test our Do luck. Do the leftover. Um, we like archery. Um, it just adds that whole aspect to, you know, you're out there, you're quiet. Um it's a challenge. You know, we, we would do a rifle hunt. It would be a lot of fun. Yep. I think, I think our level and where we want to be and the most fun for us is just, just slinging arrows, chasing them, chasing them. Just to have a monster 1100 pound bull, a, a seven mm-hmm. by seven or six by six show up in front of you, 30 yards out, just shaking and watching the list. Just oh, yeah. at you, man. That's, uh, that's something that you'll never, never escape. Yeah, I mean, no, you I think, think deer shakes are bad. Yeah, yeah. You think the deer shakes are bad? Yeah, no kidding. Now, um, <laughs> no. What about you and uh, Sumner and Andrew? Are you guys going to be able to take part in a this upcoming trip or not? Oh, here we go. Well, Get your hankies here out. Come here comes the excuse. Well, <laughs> well, Ryan, Ryan Sumner is married, so he can't have any schedule. <laughs> um, uh, but no. Uh, I would, I would love to go out, uh, out West or, you know, do they, they've seen me. I, I like to think I'm game for a lot, but, uh, my current work schedule with, uh, my civilian employer and my, uh, my army national guard unit, uh, we're, uh, we got a, our busiest year ever in terms of army, army duties. So, uh, scheduling for that's going to be pretty tight. And I've got a pretty big family that I, uh, I love being around all my aunts and uncles live in the same town. You can throw a blanket up and it'll touch everybody's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, it, it, I, I, my schedule right now in terms of the fall is kind of up in the air because of how busy, uh, I am with, uh, the national guard right now. But, 
I know, I know Eric and uh, Dengate and I have talked a little bit about uh, going out to Colorado and elk hunting and <laughs> doing all that, but man, yeah, it'd be a wild time, but I, I, I can't commit to anything solidly yet because there's just, there's just too much space between now and then. And there's too many unknowns. I love, I love doing our stuff here in Ohio. Cause I know I can, you know, uh, uh, yeah, commit to that pretty, pretty easily. But, uh, some of these bigger trips that we're wanting to go on, uh, I get to kind of look at all the pictures and the videos and see all the updates in the post and think, man, that'll be me here in a year or two when work's not so busy and all that stuff. But, uh, uh-huh. I think either I or work needs to adjust because man, I'm getting certainly getting tired of missing some of these sunrises and sunsets and the super cold mornings and the snowstorms and the, in the, uh, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the, the fire that's coming through the woods at them. But now it's, uh, it's, it's currently not booked on my calendar. I have some space available. I just don't know when that space is going to be, or if it's, uh, 100% going to be locked in. Even when I say, yes, I'd like to go to this because there's always, uh, always forces that be, uh, that have say that have say in our lives. And I've got a couple different of those forces and I will segue those couple different forces a uh, bit into Ryan Sumner and his married life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's a lot of, that's a lot of words for no. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the same boat where it's just, uh, I only have so much vacation from work and I work rotating 12s. So it's like, uh, I work two days, have two days off, work the weekend and then it rotates. Um, so every other, I have every other weekend off, but I also rotate nights to days and days to nights every eight weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the hunts I get to catch are like, um, you know, Ryan texts me, you know, the night before, Hey, 5am, you want to head out to Ladue, uh, you know, and, <laughs> and bring your shotgun. And I go, well, I don't actually have a shotgun with me. Uh, cause I'm, I'm, uh, we're saving up for a new house. Um, so our living situation, I have a lot of stuff in storage. Yeah. Um, and then that. I hit like a, you know, we, I end up on the lake with him at 6 a.m. duck hunting. So that's kind of the hunts I get to grab right now. Um, that's all right. That are suitable. Yeah. And, you know, just vacation time. Um, I have a bunch of weddings to go to this summer. Isn't that, isn't that a bitch? Because like, as soon as you get married, it's like the weddings just come <laughs> out, of the, out of the woodwork. You're a single man. Nobody gives a shit about you. But if as yeah. soon as you get married, I, <laughs> you want to come to my wedding? You want to come to my wedding? So it's yeah, like, exactly. if it's, when is it? It's like hunting season. Oh, I'm sorry, you got the reschedule. Yeah, wedding. it's uh, uh, end of July, and then my sister's is in September. Um, oh, at least I thought too perfect bad. Perfect timing for elk. Yeah. Funny, actually, I'm going to be in Colorado. Uh, in <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, just not hunting. <laughs> I'm just not hunting. I am going. I'm going to Winter Park. Um, so I'm going yeah. up in the mountains. But oh, you're yeah, going to Winter Park? Yeah, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, we're my uh, my brother-in-law's like. The lieutenant for the police department there. Oh, okay. Well, hopefully I don't run into him. <laughs> He'll probably be on the detail for the wedding or something. That's kind of funny. Uh, the, so the wedding's not in Winter Park. It's in uh, oh. like halfway between Denver and Colorado Springs. Oh, okay. Castle Rock, my wife's telling me. She's Rock just south there. there, yeah. That's awesome. I, I'm going to be on Colorado too, but it's going to be right at the right at, right at the end of August, in the, right in the beginning of elk season, but I'm going out there for a, a wedding, but also my anniversary too. So it's like, we're, we're not, it's like the elk season, elk hunt's not quite on our, 
on our plate yet because we were too at one point in time looking to buy a house right as well. But then again, mm-hmm. it's like I started paying attention to the Buffett index and the, he's predicting there's there's going to be a market crash right in September. So it's like oh, you'll really? be able to buy you'll be able to buy a house far cheaper because it's like the way things are going and the way deep states pushing their agenda in different directions, we're going to see right. that crash. But then it's like then again, you got to start looking at investing in cryptocurrency because the fourth uh, industrial revolution will be following that complex. Uh, to research more on that, you should look up um, Klaus Schwab. He is he's the one that established the World Economic uh, Forum over there in Davos, and he's the one that created the whole uh, One World Order kind of global globalism to create that that, that forward uh, projection. So it's a deep rabbit rabbit hole to go down, but I recommend all of you guys looking into that because it's going things a lot change because we got to defund the police and stuff like that and. And we're, we're like up in Minneapolis. They had to pay $7 million to replace all the officers that quit. So, yep. yeah. So Something we, Ryan and I know too well, unfortunately. Right? Yeah. Uh, both our departments have been uh, bombarded. Uh, yeah. I mean, yours more than mine. I work for yeah. a smaller city in Ryan's County, but it's like um, uh, people start crying that stuff and, uh, you know, people think it's a good idea and start that. anyway you know whatever this is right politics podcast, so. yeah yeah no have you guys, we can turn it into one <laughs> yeah have you guys looked at um what it takes to draw a elk tag into kentucky oh yeah i've already been on that bus for three years now uh, so what's the what's the process on that the process is super simple it's the waiting that sucks i got um, you for non-resident yeah for non-res and even for the residents it's really hard and actually it was kind of cool we came across um we were in Col- we were out in Colorado. Um, one of our first couple of days there, we were like either like eight or ten miles back, and uh, we weren't expecting to see anybody. We come across a, a group of four guys, and you know, mm-hmm. just being hunters, just stand there bullshit with each other, see if anybody's seen anything. And uh, we got to talking about other states that were looking to elk hunt, and um, I told the guys, I'm like, yeah, at this point, I got I got two or three years of uh, points built up behind me, and. Uh, I, the one guy goes, yeah, keep applying. I'm like, oh, how long have you been applying? He goes, for 20 years, and he still hasn't gotten picked. I'm like, well, you know, being a, and he's a resident. I'm like, oh, I'll keep applying, but I'll, I'll expect to get that hunt when I'm in my 50s then. Yeah, by the time, but when you put that together, you put all the money you put in preference points in Kentucky, or, yeah, Kentucky, you go down for the, go down to Texas for the same price and just shoot one right, right. off the boat. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, now, and, what and about, you, sorry. Oh, uh, go ahead. Just, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, you know, by the time you actually, you know, one of us pulls a tag like that. Uh, my brother lives in Lexington right now. We'll have lost our place to stay overnight. Right. And he'll be thoroughly gone out of there. So. Right. But I was going to say, it, what have you guys started looking at uh, Maine hunting moose up there? Well, funny you mentioned that. I think Eric and I just got our, uh, our uh, applications in for the lottery up there for moose this year. Um, I, I, I ended up splurging and getting uh, 20 different tags. So. We'll see what happens with or twenty different and twenty different entries. Um, okay. And then after have you have you gone through the application process? Je- uh, Jeff. Oh no no uh, oh I, man m- and Maine's I'm like, it's easier for me just to go to Canada to shoot most than it would be for me to go to go to Maine. Right. It's uh it's like like again I like how easy it is finally getting for the for to apply at all these different states. Um, cause I, I, I was talking with my dad about it a while ago and he was wondering about the process. He's like, we used to have to mail stuff back and forth. Things would get lost. Money transactions wouldn't go through. You had to open up different credit cards. I'm like, yeah, it's a hassle. Cause I just sit, I just sit on my phone and do it with work between, you know, downtime. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but m- main, the main process, super easy. Uh, all you have to do is just buy yourself. I think you have to buy a hunting tag or a, a hunting license, and then you have to just apply for your, apply for your tags. And I think it was at $5, five or 10 bucks a pop per tag. Okay. It was, it was super reasonable. And then at the very end, then, then you can actually apply if none of your, um, if none of your allotted tickets that you put in get selected, you can get put into another selection to go out and do a, um, cow moose hunt for mm-hmm. some, so for some kind of a harvest survey or some research you're conducting, you yeah. have to take a couple different organs in with you and drop them off at a game check station. Um, but uh, of course, I'm going to select that and throw, try and throw them all back into another lottery. So we'll see what that, we'll see what pans out this year. I mean, it'd be really cool. It's going to get expensive once I start, you know, getting pulled for states that I'm these bunch of different states we're putting in for. Yeah, no kidding. You almost want to almost relocate to like Missouri or Iowa, just kind of be right there in the middle of the country. But then again, Ohio right. is not that big a deal. So when you hop on 90, you can be anywhere you want to be in a matter of hours. So oh yeah, still- we made. We made the haul out to Colorado and back in one push. We made a little bed in the back end, the back of Eric's truck, and one guy drove, one guy slept. We just ro- yeah, we rotated until we got there. We were, what, like nonstop for 24, 26 hours to Colorado? Yeah. Just took two 10-hour shifts. Yeah, we all the quilts we could in the back of the truck. And you go the first 10, I'd do the second. Just stop for pee breaks and, yep. you know, pilots. Yeah, I remember nice. getting a text from Ryan. It's like, uh, I'm going 100 miles an hour, and Eric's sleeping on the back. Oh, yeah. We got uh, <laughs> yeah. 12 hours to go. And, um, <laughs> That's awesome. So, Caroline, will you be able to join in on some of these excursions, or do you got a busy full plate too? Oh, I got a real busy full plate, sadly <laughs> enough. But it's it's going to be an adventure. I'm headed to Europe for about a year. Um, I'll be back sometime around January 2022 uh, with the army. Um, it should be pretty cool. Um, I'm going to be in, uh, Poland for a lot of the time. And I actually, uh, just out of curiosity was Googling hunting in Poland. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not sure how much free time I'm going to have. Might get some four day passes here and there once COVID restrictions lift. But, um, I kind of want to start doing some networking when I get to Poland with the locals, because apparently hunting in Poland is huge. Um, one of the biggest, uh, countries in Europe for hunting. Um, so that might be a little, uh, FTO bait for your listeners. If they want to see my European adventures this next year, <laughs> follow yeah, the page. FTO abroad. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's congratulations. That, that sounds like a fantastic trip. I mean, I do have uh listeners there in, and, uh, Ireland and England and, uh, so some as far as in Czechoslovakia. So it's like, it's, I got quite the listener because I use SoundCloud as my distribution. So SoundCloud is more international. So it's, it is quite unique to see some of these, uh, countries pop up on my uh, statistics. So um, congratulations. It sounds like a fantastic idea or you can try to get out there and do some fishing too. So that'd be a a thing to get, uh, cross off your bucket list. But then again, I think a lot of the fish are very similar to what we catch here in Minnesota, like a big pike perch, walleye and such yeah i'm not sure i didn't even look into fishing that might be something a little more doable because i mean they got the they got the stags over in poland and i'm, I'm kind of thinking like well i gotta probably look smaller because i'm gonna be stuck with a lot of meat and a large animal um uh-huh. with <laughs> not much to do with it um ship it back home or something so fishing might be something a little more uh easily accessible True. Um, I'm not Very sure true. like with the public land and 
all that. I have to look more into it, but. Mm-hmm. Nice thing is, Caroline, when you go over there, it's like if you're looking for fishing rods, Quantum makes a very sol- nice selection. It goes down from five foot all up to six foot six, but they're all collapsible rods. Now, now some people don't like collapsible rods because they feel they're, they're flimsy. They don't have the, the tension that they can handle. But it's like I've been using uh, collapsible rods since 2015, and I've caught 40-inch pike on them. But it's a good solution. So this way that they, they stack down, easy to tow, easy to carry around, especially if you're backpacking in someplace remote. Like, let's say you pull up your GPS, like, I want to go here. Then you need to figure out how to get to that, that little pond or that lake. And that'll be a perfect fit for you. You can put, um, I use 30 pound uh, braided line on mine just because I don't like losing fish, but it'd be a fun, unique way of getting back in there, but not carrying a bunch of tackle with you and just get a little simple box about yay big for different jigs and stuff. And you can always find worms wherever you want or get plastics because plastic seems to hit very well too. You just need a variety of colors just to based off of the, the water temperature, the clarity of the water and such to, figure out what's going to be the best solution. But that sounds like a, uh, a good strategy to be able to get back. But then again, you're going to be on base. It's like you may find people that are like, hey, I've been here. Like, Talk to this guy. Talk to this person. Talk to this woman right here. Yeah, that's exactly what I plan on doing. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to miss out on uh, the elk trip this year. My sister actually lives um, out in Colorado. My sister and my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a Forest Service officer. Um, and he's a local local cop, um, and they do a lot of hunting. My sister, oddly enough, um, wasn't into hunting uh, as much growing up like I was. Mm-hmm. Um, never, never hunted, actually, until she got to Colorado. So it's kind of funny how she grew up here, but all she knows is Western hunting. Um, and my brother-in-law used to be a guide, and they ha- their best friends are um, really talented and skilled um, I mean, mountain lion hunting, uh, bear hunting, uh, elk hunting, mule deer hunting, that's all they do. Um, so I'm planning, definitely planning a trip for 2022 um, with them when I get back. That's awesome. Listen, those things you'll have time to put in your preference points and to coincide with them. Or you can even do a pool, ta- pool hunt too, where you can pull all the tags into one. I think, believe that's still an option in Colorado. Maybe that's only in Arizona, but I know a few states do that where you can put in for a unit and be able to all go in as one granted it takes it eats up a lot more of your points but oh, yeah you get everybody in in one one setting especially if you're only be able to hunt maybe once a decade if you're lucky kind of like right. andrew here you know so many <laughs> words to say no right actually speaking I just of want fishing to point out that ryan <laughs> is about the same number of words and just said I've got a lot of weddings and he's super popular and i just said i don't know what my schedule is going to be like I, but Bean, I got a bone to pick with you, actually, because um, oh, fuck yeah. I'd like to reclaim the title of most novice fisherman in the group. Uh, yeah, that is true. Yeah. I see you recall stepping on your pole and breaking it. You didn't break it. You just made it a lot, lot smaller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do the total, the sum total of zero fishing. Uh, every year so whatever b tells you uh is either a hyperbole or a lie or somewhere in between so (laughs) i don't don't believe him that uh he's the the least experienced fisherman out of the group oddly enough that's uh that pole is the pole that i caught the biggest fish i've ever caught well you're welcome sir yes thank you i forgot to tell you thank you that midnight hour in 2014 well when you lay your pole uh you know lakeside at 
2 a.m. in the dark uh, and you have a, a man like myself walking around without a, a headlight on uh, or a headlamp, you're, I'm going to step on it. So I thought I had men I could trust around me. And yes, clearly did. But with, no, with there's, said, there's though, nobody did, in this meeting you can trust. Yeah, no, <laughs> um, I did want to talk about, um, and I brought this up before with the group, um, bow fishing down on Lake Kentucky. Ooh, that's oh, that's yeah, that, Oh my yeah, God. Some... I love bow fishing. It's <laughs> right. my favorite. <laughs> so I want to take my least favorite thing and my most favorite thing and mash them together and see if I'm any good at it. You'll never want to do regular fishing ever again. <laughs> she is right on that. It, it is quite addictive, especially if you, if you have to deal with a lot of Asian carp, I know like going along in the Illinois river or whatever, or maybe the Ohio Valley, depending on, I don't know how much of an infestation you guys have in your area for, uh, um, Asian carp, but that's a fun thing to shoot after, especially when you get at night with the bright lights on, just going around the banks. It's it's you, nothing like it, man. Because I mean, because your whole depth perception is off where you're shooting. Because the Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape, and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger, uh, scope ring, which helps with peep alignment, as well as a built-in scope level, which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations, as well as a dovetail or tournament edition, uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow. And the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. The fish, you may be looking at the fish like this, but he's over here and you got to look behind. It's, it's, it's a fantastic thing. My buddy shot a, a gar that was only about this mm. big around, first time out <laughs> and stuff like that. And he, you know, if he missed anything bigger than that, the shit just piled up from all the right. bodies. Right. Oh, yeah. I think I watched the episode, the Das Boat episode, where I think it's, it's yep. Cal goes uh, yep. bow fishing. Is it, there, yeah, is it Lake Kentucky? Cal. Well, he does the buffalo. Yeah. Uh, buffalo fish see i don't know anything yes. about fish yeah that is that is that is really good fish to eat um it's fantastic to smoke so it's like if you ever if you ever get one don't throw it away it's actually quite if you find if you know if you happen to get one start messaging people that have a smoker and mm -hmm. it's a fantastic fish to smoke or even brine because it has some bigger bones in it but if you brine it it's able to break all that down and turn yeah, it so into a pickle. 
you know, in that episode, he says, the, the one guy says, well, it's like theorized that if all the Asian carp were to come to the, the surface of the lake at one time, you'd be able to walk across it. And I thought, well, shit, there's no way I'm missing anything there then. <laughs> Until they it's jump still, out of the boat and slap you, <laughs> jump yeah. out of the boat and slap you in the head. Yeah. I've seen those yeah. videos. I've seen those too. I was um, for my uh, bachelor party. We're looking to do a uh, a bow fishing uh, trip out there. And the guy that was going to be our guide, he says, it's like, if you guys are using, who's ever not used the bows, I'll give them a bat because they jump up so high. You can really swing and knock them out of the air. It's like, you know, it's like I hit a fish with a bat. It's like, you know how cool that would be saying when you get back to your friends? <laughs> Uh, don't go saying that too much. A uh, DNR officer might walk up on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I've got zero, zero experience with bow fishing. All mine's been hook and line up till this point. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'd, I'd go, I'd definitely go give that a try. Do you guys have a boat down there yet? You talking about anybody? Oh, no, anybody. I know I think, Bean's got a, I know Bean's got a house down there. Yeah, Bean's got a condo down there. But, <clears throat> let's clarify. My father and I have a condo that is on the <laughs> South Fork River, which flows into the Cumberland River, which flows into Lake Cumberland. So we may have to. I've, I know last summer was kind of impromptu trying to get some guys go down there and golf, but uh, I just looked at a quick internet search and it said the Asian carp is a significant presence in the Ohio, you know, waterways, and I would assume it's probably the same for Kentucky. So uh, maybe we could do some. We'll have to look into that because. We can play golf, fish, uh, enjoy enjoy the time, and yeah, bow fish. That would be that would be wild to see. I've not not seen that in real time. Hmm. Yeah, I've uh, I've only been bow fishing a few times, but I actually was up um, up by Lake Erie, not not too far from the lake shore, but it was mainly I'm not sure where we were. Um, I want to say like east of Cleveland or west of Cleveland, um, kind of up by the break walls. And then there was like little tr- the little tributaries that went into Lake Erie. We'd go down those into the little groves. There was just carp everywhere. Yeah, I don't know. We, we'd, we'd have to we'd have to lock something down. But I think uh, condo and the condo in Kentucky sounds like a good starting point. There you go. Now, do you guys ever have any issues with uh, snakeheads in your guys' area? Never seen one. Never seen one. Okay, it's, they're they look just like a snake. They're I, I found them. I've seen them down in Florida and they're further south. Not a lot up north, but they they're one of those. They're from Asia. They're from Thailand. Oh, I I, I've I've seen one just not in Ohio. Yeah, yeah no, okay. there. All right. I don't yeah, know if, it, if it's if it's if it, if it gets too cold for them or whatever. It kind of keeps them at bay down in the south. But man, those things are horrible and invasive because they can breathe out of water too as well, and they can walk across. I mean, they're they're quite uh, uh, in a, in a a predator, uh, an apex predator of the uh, waterways. Yeah, the, the only I think the only fish that we really got to struggle with, like it, it's not I, you'll see them in the inland lakes occasionally, are um, freshwater drums. They call them sheephead mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. but the, mainly those are in Lake Erie. I, I, all the fishing me and Eric have done over the past years. I mean, we we never run into anything invasive. If anything, you just get a bunch of stunted out crappie that were, you know, stocked into a lake that was too full of them already. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what um, I have a friend of mine, Austin uh, Lesser, who was on a, was a podcast guest a few weeks back. But he's saying a lot of issues out there for fly fishing, for going up to trout. There's a lot of them out there and a lot of fly fishermen out there. They're, they have to do the catch and release while it's stunting them. You're not be able to get the massive browns, the rainbows that you that you be able to get years past because there's such an abundance of them. So you're, set, you're getting the average 
12 to 14 inches, but nobody eats them. They just throw them back in there and stuff yep. like that. And it's like trout is such a finicky fish. So it's like, if you, if you, if you hook them wrong or do something, they can die really relatively right. easy, but man, there's some delicious, uh, short fish eating right there. Yeah. Even touching them with a dry hand, you know, if you don't wet your hands before you pick them up, you'll kill them. You know, you'll strip the scales off and they'll get an infection. That'll be the last season they make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I don't think Eric has chased religiously steelhead and trout a lot more in Ohio than I have. I've, I, I look at, I look at steelhead fishing and turkey hunting kind of the same way. I just like to go to be a part of the experience, but I do not take it very seriously whatsoever. I'm same way with turkey hunting. It's like uh, I've been hunting turkey for last seven, eight seasons. So four years. I, I usually do a, I always get a fall tag just in case I happen to have one. Uh, yeah, because if you don't, that's when it's coming by. Exactly. So it's like I'd rather have it not need it, need it not have. It. Plus, if I don't shoot anything, that money goes back into the the uh, the resources in the, in the community. So it's right. like, I'm not angry about it. if I spend thirty bucks and not shoot turkey. It's better than it's like it's better than going over to like Minnesota or going to Iowa. You're spending one hundred ten dollars for a tag. You don't shoot something. You're a little bit more pissed. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, that's a pretty heavy uh, tag sandwich you got to eat. Yeah, yeah, tag soup, right? Tag soup. Yeah, it's a tag soup. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did anybody have a tag soup season this year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm the same boat, too. I had a shot at a, at a doe uh, earlier on, and I misjudged her and just went right over the top. Well, at least it was a clean miss, but, uh, yeah, it was a tag soup because just life, man, life, kids, and then weddings. Enough, uh, I did so poorly this year. My wife was yelling at me to go hunt more because uh, <laughs> I had to fill the freezer. She's like, "You bought a damn tag. You better go get something." And then, uh, yeah, ended up with nothing. Yep, I shot missed at the probably the biggest buck I'll ever see in the woods again. Shot right yeah. right underneath it. Uh, that that haunted me for a couple of weeks. But that was it, it. Turned around though because Eric came out. Uh, his very first day of the year, very first trip of the year. I called first it too. Few hours and called it. Yep. <laughs> few I was like, hours. I'm feeling it. I'm gonna kill a deer today. It's early. It's warm. I don't want to hunt in the winter. Boom. A couple hours into it, I just turn around. Of course, what I always see deer when I'm swinging around the tree. I'm playing on my phone. I'm taking videos for FTO. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm just like, oh shoot, there's a deer <laughs> coming down. It's walking real slow, and then smacked it mm. and like like ryan summer will say he pushed the deer to me um <laughs> giving right. me a fifth <laughs> yeah yeah so i got it you know it, it went down and by the time i didn't want to disrupt the hunt so i let them finish hunting i'm like you know what there's more deer out there i got it at myself i just hung out and as they start walking up they're just like no effing way you know, really, you got one. I got it over my shoulders. And they're like, put it down. We got to quarter it out. <laughs> now, so, where you guys hunt at the, the area, now, do you have to break it down in the field and bury it? Nope. Ohio doesn't really set laws or regulations con- like concerning on how you dispose of your way- of, of your waste. We pack everything out, though. I mean, I've done that. I've done that since day one. But things have changed a little bit now that we're hunting pretty much all public land, and it's a little bit of a walk to the truck. So we just break it all down right there at the site, throw tarp down. It, it, I'm I'm pretty pretty fluent at it after doing this for 20 years. Right. Um, but I was pretty surprised to walk up on Eric on his first deer, skinned out or got it out ready to ready to be transported. I'm like, well, we'll take it one more step here. 
I was I was so mentally ready. I had two really bad seasons, whiffed on like multiple deer throughout yeah, the there was some morning, like some morning yeah. curves. Yeah, so I think that's part of the fun of hunting is knowing where you started, you know, being the novice, making those mistakes. What do you think? And you got the deer shakes, you miss a few, uh-huh. and then you get you get that chance, bam. And it's just a great feeling. And then you're just like up high, you know, you want to bang on your chest and you just, you feel great. And hopefully it's good luck for the rest <laughs> of the year. Um, but that was the just reason, a small dough. The reason why I brought that up is that in some of the counties here in Wisconsin, depending on where you're at, depending on the county, you actually have to break down the deer because mm. you want to contain CBD because we're, we're the hotbed of, the hotbed of it all. Cause I mean, it pretty much spread it here and stuff like that, but it's kind of a weird thing to, to try to figure out a pinpoint where it's all coming from or where it all started. I think it's just a weird right. mutation. And it's like, it come it could come down to Monsanto's chemicals. It could come down to uh, something they find in the water. It's really weird in how it developed. It's like, there's no human or animal to human uh, transfers as of, as of yet. Uh, but yeah, we have to get to bury it deep enough where a raccoon can't get it, gain access to it. And so you have, right. to, you have to, you have to, you have to turn a sample in to uh, the DNR for so this way you can figure out where it's all going. But the, the testing is kind of slowed down. But I always thought it was more like a, it's like going to be something that's naturally occurring, and that was just something the way the, the anti hunters could try to leverage to try to impose laws. Because if you notice one thing is like they started taking things away, and you know, one thing about when you start taking things away, they never come back. Kind of like what happened. Like you, you lose, um, you lose a uh, California. They started taking away like. Uh, bear hunting, big cat hunting, and they took away the, the dogs go after them. Well, once you st- once you take the dogs away, you can't really find them unless they right. happen to be white friendly. Because uh, for an example here, we had a bear in Sparta about 30 miles to the east of me. It was 810 pounds, uh, uh, not, even be- not even gutted out yet. But that bear was probably at least 28 years old. And then, right. uh, that a bear that old, it's like how many times it passed in front of a hunter or by a hunter, and they didn't even know about it. So it's like that's something yeah. we found here. So it's like I don't know if it's a, if that's a big thing because then again, it all depends on your state and what color t- turns during election year. So it's like it all depends on who controls the 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 uh, voting with uh, their hearts instead of biology. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's really any um, regulations in Ohio regarding um, slowing the spread. I think there's just like suggestions like to help minimize the spread. Like don't mm-hmm. transport your carcasses if you don't have to try to break down everything there double bag wear gloves I, re- I don't know i was reading an article they're not taking it um very seriously in ohio but i think i don't know don't, don't quote me but i'm pretty sure um the numbers went up in 2020 though of the number of cases in ohio but i'm not sure the only thing ohio is really doing is we have uh, testing testing counties and untesting counties I think we only have like four or five counties where you have to provide a sample to ODNR if you kill a deer mm-hmm. within there. And I, I'm, I think it's mandatory. Don't quote me on that, but um, we're seeing a little bit of ours around a lot of central Ohio and out, out towards the Western end um, flatland where there's a lot of corn, but Ohio isn't too, isn't too worried about or starting to push it yet. Yeah. Same thing. Like the thing is Wisconsin is pretty much the, 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 uh, uh, Starship when it comes down to because Minnesota is not a big deal with it. Iowa is not really South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska. So it's 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 just all depends on what's going on. But um, thinking about when you guys go out west, like this upcoming fall, if you guys do get drawn, you guys can always look at OTC for uh, mule deer in uh, South Dakota or yeah, South Dakota because they do early early season for for 
uh, Velvet Hunts, similar to Kentucky. Then also you can go to Nebraska and do uh, you do Mule Deer Americas. I think it's two two fifty over the counter for bow for for Mule Deer. But when you buy it though, you're also getting a whitetail tag as well. So this way you oh, can wow. get one or, or both. There you go. Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. Still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place. Roll those blades up, and then it's a click, and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. Yeah, we're we're rolling around different ideas on where to go. It just it's all going to boil down to who's got the the most amount of comp, uh, compensation time and vacation time to throw at it. You know, working working the nine to five or well, I mean, we all rotate yeah. different shifts, so right. Um, <laughs> it, it just depends on what what's going to come together. Like I'm I'm the only one that could, that's got available time in April. Um, Ohio Turkey technically opens up, I think, the last week of April, I think, mm -hmm. or. Our, our yearly turkey turkey hunt, which has been happening since 2016, um, that's going to fire up, I think, one of the first couple weeks of May. But come April, I got time to burn, and um, I'm going to take a run out to Idaho for a black bear hunt. Ooh. We'll see We'll see how that pans out. And I think that's going to be kind of like a little uh, a stepping stone for FD. I'm going to tell you, I'm lining up, taking out some camera footage, just doing small shots of stuff here mm -hmm. and there to, mm -hmm. you know, put some small video together, but yeah, it's all it really comes down to with doing the tag hunts is who's got the, who's got the time and availability to head on out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sumner's got a wedding. No, I, I have a friend of mine that was, that records uh, his hunts up there in Northern uh, Wisconsin. He was recommending that if you're going to get a camera set up, he does recommend the 5.0 from Tacticam because it doesn't cut off after a certain amount of time. It just continually rolls as you're recording, and they handle up to like a 120 gig SD card. So that's something you can look into besides also the, the GoPros as well. So just something simple like that, do it. So just, it's, well, at least you're going to have Eric with you so you can be able to have two people to go trade right. on and off. It's like this hour you hunt, this, this half day you hunt, back and forth, try to get those shots in. Right. That, that's... That's kind of what we're eyeing up right now. We're, I'm not looking to dump too much money into it yet, but we want to be able to produce, you know, something small to keep posting up on the page, um, keep people interested. Maybe let's start looking into doing something with YouTube eventually. But you know, only being about it coming up on our our first whole year into this, um, I think we're going to start turning out some good content. The nice thing is, there's, there's fantastic uh, uh, inspirations out there to draw from, so you'll be able to pull from all all sorts of uh, sources. 
Yeah, we're big fans absolutely. of David Goggins. That's what. Yeah, I mean. yeah, we are. That, we've been, hammer, we've been hammering that. Stay hard. Stay hard. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, as far as the like filming and stuff goes, Caroline's uh, you know category, and she's been doing a hell of a lot just with an iPhone. That's yeah, very absolutely. true. The iPhones are pretty legit uh, cameras. Uh, I was talking to Austin last year. He did, he did a backcountry elk hunt this past year uh, in December, I believe, late December. So it was real, real nasty cold. And he says hot hands are a lifesaver to try to keep the, the, the devices mm. warm, the batteries warm. So this way, there you'll be able to survive that cold because that cold just sucks the battery, the juice right out of those batteries. I think, yeah, uh, we, we experienced a little bit of that every year with Eric until he upgraded his phone as of recently. Um, he, he would turn a phone on in October when it was about 40 degrees out, or maybe 50, and that battery would be gone in about 30 minutes. But he survived on an iPhone. Is that six. a fiber? An iPhone, iPhone 6, 6 up until this year. <laughs> Finally got the 12, you know, shooting shooting great pictures now so i don't know i just didn't want to spend the money i take i take my equipment i take care of very well it wasn't broke you know and these phones nowadays are super expensive so really i was just trying to make an excuse like do i go gopro do i do the tac cams you know um as we got more serious with this it kind of like is lighting that fire like oh our listeners our followers they want more so now it's just like yeah. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Dean. Airline. We all got to go out. We got to do this. They're, they're expecting something from us. So I think that's fueling a lot of our let's get out there and let's do stuff. That's, that's fantastic motivation. There. If you guys live in a big enough community, BioLife has been a game changer for me. If I don't know if you guys have BioLife or SCLS Plasma, donate plasma is a great way to bring in that extra money. Cause it's like right now it's like uh, they're paying 90 bucks a week and that right there you do, you do a full month. That's one or two cameras right there. Well, Eric has, you know, found a good way to make some money around every year for when elk season starts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm also type one diabetic. So I speak for the, the hunting community of the type one diabetics and figuring out how Very to niche eat. community. <laughs> I sell some more test strips to get us nice gear. <laughs> um, so Sometimes I have some extra supply. So you've probably heard on the radio, like sell your strips, sell your land sets. So there's companies out there that are legitimate that they'll send you a UPS, you know, FedEx box. You put a couple mm-hmm. boxes in there and there's like X amount of dollars. So I kind of had a little overstock going on with the whole COVID season. I didn't know what my job's going to look like. Um, just before the expiration date, I was able to kind of <laughs> hand those off to a medical surplus company. And that's what actually bought me my Kafaru backpack. And whole. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we know those are, you know. Three easy payments. <laughs> Three easy payments. Uh, so backpack or, you know, live for a couple more years. It was hunting came first. <laughs> Funny. I think, uh, I think Jeff mentioned uh, cryptocurrency earlier. My brother's almost a millionaire with Bitcoin. And uh, I got a couple. I got a couple grand, so I always mm-hmm. just invest in Bitcoin for some mm-hmm. extra equipment. That <laughs> is gonna Bitcoin that's... makes the plug. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good. well. There's there's the, the what's going to make that standard. What's going to make that big change is, is in the uh, uh, gun uh, industry. A lot of gun companies are going to start being able to set, accept cryptocurrency for purchase, and so and because they already see the writing on the wall, that's going to be the next thing because it's decentralized banking, and so it doesn't put the the, the power in the Rothschilds anymore. It pulls that power away and it puts it in, in our group. So this way, it makes the governments more transparent. So this way, we're sending three million dollars. Or five million dollars to Egypt for something. We kind of see where that where all that money is going. So it's just it's just, it's going to get there. It's gonna it's gonna happen in our lifetimes. So it's like why not make some money? Plus it's like you can always like there's an app that you can download on your phone now. I heard that you can actually help. There's an app that allows you to mine Bit Bitcoin too as well. Good. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense with the gun companies, especially with uh, Biden repealing the. Uh, I think it was a Trump executive order that um, stopped banks from discriminating against. A certain gun comp- uh, certain companies, specifically gun companies, and just saying, "Hey, we're not going to process transactions uh, for your company." So I could see cryptocurrency, um, you know, especially Bitcoin. I don't know how high Dogecoin got. Um, mm-hmm. What but, is it at? Uh, Nine cents now. Yeah, yeah. Using that as a way to just be like, "Hey, you know, we don't need your bank. Actually, we're just going to use cryptocurrency." Especially with what happened with uh, GameStop and AMC, so the the the, the 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 retail investors came up and gave the uh, the elites a right hook, and they didn't like that. So then they called their friends at the SEC. They're like, "We need it. We they can't be doing this. We can't allow them to raise above an X X a level." So things are going to change again after that thing goes down. So it's it's just funny how you you pay attention because as something is distracting over here, everything else is really going over here. But once you know the game, you can't be played. Yeah, I've got no money tied up in that. All of my money goes towards a company called Navient, Sally Mae, and hunting. So. <laughs> right. Student right. loans, baby. Yeah, student, student loans, loans man. Yeah, and that is, that's what allowed me to buy some of the stuff. I'm, I'm student loan free, so it, took, it takes a few years. But then again, once you Congratulations. Start, yeah, right. Thank you. Uh, but We're not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys can look into as well to, to increase your income below is, is also look at affiliate marketing as well. That's what you can do is like build a landing page, click funnels, and, and create the affiliate marketing where you can read it scale. Because you can... Uh, Bass Pro Cabela's, Crowdfire, uh, We the People, RPG, one of my sponsors, We the People, one of my sponsors too. But they all provide affiliate links there, and they can tell you what, how everything breaks down. But that's how you can really blossom your brand and stuff like that, and bring in that income as as a pool. So this way, all you guys can go on a hunt, or you create that that income level where you're able to all quit your jobs and be able to do something full time. Oh, I would just a- love a sponsor from Crocs. Crocs, right? Go I'll do, I'll, I'll I'll do whatever drive. they want me to. I'll I'll do every hunt in a pair of Crocs if they want. Like I'll go, uh, you know, I'll go do this elk hunt. I'll do it in a pair of Crocs and just be like, I snuck up on this elk in my Crocs. Uh, they were super silent. Yeah. Speaking of uh, shoes to wear, that is not a bad idea because it's it absorbs uh, energy and it'll be able to absorb the rocks. Even even more of the elite hunters, they'll actually go out and wrestling shoes because they're so low profile mm-hmm. and they're so thin to the ground. It's not that far fetched to be able to go that. And I thought vibrant when they did those feet uh, shoes, those five fingers, yeah. five fingers. But the thing is, like you, you have to teach your feet how to walk like that again because their feet are, are used to having heart arches from the Nike and stuff. So it's like, they're not used to walking flat foot anymore. So it's like, you have to train yourself to do it, but it's, it's a fantastic way to get into tight places, especially like now it's like that, 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 how that materials all around there. So when you're scaling through the rocks and stuff like going up lifts 
a bluff side is that you're not having to worry about all the extra material getting caught on something or slipping. Yeah, shout out uh, Hunt Primitive. I don't know if you're aware of his page on YouTube. Uh, he's a primitive hunter and bow maker, and he actually wears a uh, set of moccasins, like original oh, deer-hide-made moccasins. And of mm-hmm. course, he's hunting in like uh, the south of Florida. Um, so yeah, he's, but still. He's capable, you know, he can do that. But, yeah. um, I mean, he wears them through all, all kinds of training. He's even, he was even saying, like, you know, people ask when I hunt in the swamps, like, what do you wear? He's like, I just wear my moccasins because they get wet and then they dry back out and they form to the feet very well and they, you know, stay silent. Very, very true. I know he's been on uh, Where to Hunt podcast. I haven't had him on my podcast yet, but he is it is, is quite informative, especially going as far back as the Adelaide and creating that, that, that challenge for hunting and such. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the work he does, but uh, just as far as the um, uh, anthropology, you know, side of uh, primitive hunting, I think is, is mm-hmm. excellent. Uh, so where are you guys, uh, where's your future looking at next? Because we've already talked about your hunting. Any major fishing plans? Well, I don't know if we have any major fishing plans. Like I said earlier, fishing, fishing and turkey hunting for me are just a, just a reason to stay outside, give you something to do in the spring and in the summer, waiting for, waiting for the four legged critters to come back around in season. But I don't know, Eric, you got anything in mind? No big fishing trips. I, I just poke around. I keep, I keep one of those extender rods in the back of my truck. And whenever I'm driving around, I'm just like, Hey, there's a little honey hole, you know, just, just ploop in a little bit. Um, uh, I lived in Toledo, Ohio for a little bit. So I was fishing that river. Uh, so oh, Ryan's trying to get me to get uh, one of these Hobie kayaks. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so we can go into the whole, ca- you know, trying to get out there. Uh, walleye's real big here in Lake Erie. Um, <laughs> trying to get into that um i've mostly been a bank kind of river pond fisher uh so that's kind of my home where i'm at he's trying to push me into bigger water so possibly you know we've we did a charter last year so or two years ago in the carolinas which is addicting if you can get out there and start catching oh, yeah. what spanish we had what spanish mackerel uh Benny blue, Mac, yeah bluefish blue. yeah we had also we had a good We're looking bag for uh, no, no charters this year. Who knows? Sometimes, you know, it's nice having a big group of four or five people. One of us is usually available to kind of, kind of, um, what's the word? Join what? in. Join in, you know, kind of, kind of more guilt. Ryan's more kind of like, <laughs> come on, man. Let's oh, go. Let's I'll go. And he knows, he knows yeah. I'll break. He's like, don't worry guys. Eric's coming. <laughs> Thursday night, <laughs> where are we meeting? <laughs> um, so, um, I mean, Steelhead's still going here in in uh, Northeast Ohio because we got Steelhead Alley, which kind of goes through PA, mm-hmm. uh, Ashtabula. Um, poked out there a couple times. Um, that's about it. Very cool. I know I, I want to get a group of guys to go do some lake sea fa- salmon fishing there in Lake Superior because if you get like six guys, it brings – brings the total down to like 250 ahead and it's three, four days out there. You bring back an average of 40 to 60 pounds of meat. But then again, one salmon could be for 30 pounds. 
especially yeah, again, that'd getting be nice. deep, deep, right? And uh, uh, my buddy, my gentleman you saw walking back here, he's my, my my new roommate, but he's got a kayak or he's got a canoe with a trolling motor. And we're, we're, we're moving. We would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American-made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look, and while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio. A mile and a half away from the lake, so it's not that far away to get back in there and do some fishing. I uh, live, Living in this, living right, like literally where I'm living right now, I'm 300 yards to Mississippi. So I, I fish in Mississippi pretty hard. Uh, we got we get lucky to have the Bass Pro Elite Series come through here every couple of years. So it's like seeing uh, KVD and, and Ishman Rowe and a bunch of these big names come through and watch them listen and, and, and talk about the, the troubles they have with fish in the lake of here. But it's just really cool to have this type of body of water. And ice fishing is is a, is a lifestyle here because there's guys out there that will live on the lake and then they'll just go to work for it from there because I'll, I'll actually spend the 20 to 30 grand on an ice house, leave it out there, block it all up, and then take off. Kind of like Grumpy Old Men. Grumpy Old Men was only shot like 80 miles from here. So, and I've done the old Grumpy Old Man tournament a couple <laughs> times, which is actually this weekend. So, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. you usually get about 150, 200 people out there, fish for walleye, pike, perch, whatever. You can catch some uh, uh, catfish and even some bass. So, it's like, it's it's a really unique place where I'm at right now. It's like, I don't really want to lo- go anywhere because, like, we, we just finally got to elk season here in Wisconsin, but, but it's like good luck trying to get there. They only do like 10 or 11 tags a year. Right. And Missouri right. just had their inaugural season down there this year, but they only have like a, 200 to the hoof. So, it's not a lot. Not a lot of people that can get in there and get after it. So, well, I need to brush up on my geography. I didn't realize Mississippi was that close to Wisconsin. Oh yeah, the borderline. It's like it starts up in northern the Minnesota, river. goes all the way down yeah. to the. And the, my fa- half of my family lives in uh, Wausau, Wisconsin. Oh no, um, kidding! I've been been all all through Wisconsin a, a good bit, uh, hanging out at the lake, but. You guys have great water, like you got great watershed up there. Historically, Ohio's watershed has been nothing but garbage. I mean, our river, our biggest, most famous river, has caught on fire like two or three times since since I think I think the first time it went up was in the sixties, yeah, sixties, seventies, and then I mean, we have a we have a brewer, we have a huge brewing company here, and one of their one of their beers is called the Burning River. Burning River. Yeah, <laughs> oh no, kidding! That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah Great Lakes yeah. Brewing Company. Yep. Another plug. Yeah, we're full of plugging Crocs. <laughs> no, beer and, and Crocs, because that's the way to go out on that. But uh, unique thing, like I was, I was. Uh, there's a gal that's in. It's a, uh, a geologist, I believe, that lives in Michigan. But uh, she did a. I, thought, I came across her YouTube page. Just talking about the biggest thing we're having issues with is, is um, saline in the water because of all the salt. Now, if you picture from coast to coast of of I ninety and how much salt gets dropped down in Yearly, they drop 20 million tons of salt, and that's been causing issues in a lot of bodies of water. But then you got the Mississippi, the Missouri, uh, all these big bodies of water, and that's what's causing a lot of issues with stunted growth, killing our fish, uh, not having enough algae. It's like that is something that we something that should be concerned about for uh, us uh, anglers and hunters because it's like that all has a tripling effect on all different aspects and something to think about to like to what to what we could what type of technology we need to be looking into to to curve that use of salt because it, it's going to basically going to poison our bodies of water before we know it 
Absolutely. We're on the other side of that spectrum where we have too much algae in our yeah. water, uh, especially in Lake Erie, the western part, especially the rivers, the ponds. They you can't even you can't even throw a, a lead weight in there sometimes. It's just yep. it's, and it's killing the fish, which is I think is also slowing down uh, the growth of our fish. Why we have small populations and mm-hmm. they're just not getting big because they're all they're all just dying. And again, you're talking about just runoff pollution from is it from Ohio? It's from it's coming from anywhere. It's just it's bad. Yeah, especially because we because you think about all the the fields we use and we use a fertilizer and then on top that we spray them fields down with Monsanto all out. All that stuff is going back into the earth. And that's what we're having. That's where we have these big algae blooms because of all these nutrients that are being pushed on the farmland. But all of a sudden that runs off, goes into the water. And so it's, it's a, and it's, we're climbing an uphill battle here, but we have, to, we just, we have to feed the population somehow. And who's going to figure it out? Some 13 year old kid on a science <laughs> experiment in, you know, high school or middle school who's just like, I got the device or I got the dropper, going to kill all the, you know, algae and then. They'll end up on the, the politic websites and TV shows, and that's that'll be fantastic, guys. So, uh, what else we, we yeah? What else we got going on? Yeah, yeah. What else we got going on? Here? You're well, thinking about uh, bear. <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, I'll kind of caveat off the you know the preservation of the environment and stuff. Uh, my cousin lives in town, pretty close to the hospital, and he walks the creek. And we've had snow down here in southwestern Ohio. He just gets out, you know. Uh, blow off some steam after the uh, workday and stuff and it's in close proximity to this creek to uh, the hospital and he found a bunch of like runoff that looked like blood like into Ooh. the creek and uh, I'm not sure who he called but uh, he uh, sent like a, a little update that was like hey the EPA's coming out here and they you know did their test and they found out it was like diesel fuel or uh, diesel runoff from something at the, I think it was from the hospital. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure what that was stemming from, but I mean, he said, you know, yeah, the EPA is going to get at the hospital and say, you owe money to clean this up, dig the soil out, put new soil in and, you know, kind of preserve that part of the Creek. Uh, and, um, I know when I'm with these guys, again, it's mostly on public land, but you can go anywhere on public land and find a good hunting spot and you'll find, random bottles bags of chips and shit like that and uh, i know just recently on my last hunt like i was on private land but i went into the wood line which was uh, uh pretty thick but i found you know old motor oil uh you know plastic cans and stuff like that and i you for me it's like a morality thing and i want the next generation to have good places to hunt and you, mm-hmm. you gotta take that shit out and you gotta throw your garbage away you can't leave it out there for the next the next person but thinking bigger than that you know the next the next community that's going to be coming out here you know what can we do uh and that's i don't want to toot my own horn or think i'm actually doing anything significant but it it all starts with that little small stuff that we can do as you know hunters and anglers to help keep the keep the community alive really Uh, just when you mentioned that uh you guys heard of the bow hunting league there out of ohio with the ben harrison and uh uh, Hunter Schmidt and uh, can't remember the other gentleman's name, but they've all been they've all been on my podcast. But uh, he, they're doing a uh, let's see, the Bow Hunting League. I'm looking. They they were making an announcement that they're going to be doing a big cleanup in Ohio. I'm trying to figure out where that um, 
where that uh, post was because I thought that was pretty cool because these guys have been blowing up. They started with the bow hunting league like last year was at 7,000. They include turkey then jump at 12,000. And I think now it's almost fe- reaching 15,000 people with it. And uh, they're, they've got enough following that they want to go ahead and do a cleanup on the public lands just to begin that uh, process here. Let's see on that page. I, I think I am kind of familiar. I think I have seen some stuff like that either FDO post or you post uh, uh, about the Ohio bow hunting league. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, maybe Ryan or Caroline know a little bit more than I do. I, I swear. I think I've seen it. Yeah. It's uh, March 15th and 21st. The first annual cleanup, uh, clean up the fishing areas. Let's see here. And they're, they're giving away um, prizes too, to encourage people to get out there. They're doing six gift okay. cards will be awarded uh, 200 in Gander RV outdoor uh, and then $50 in bow hunting league gift cards too, as well. Top five picks or top five like picks, one randomly drawn for the entry. So that's that. So they're not doing one area; it's just all across the, the state. So something to look forward to here in, in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll have to do something because I know I'm like the only one separated from the group. Really, the rest of them are northeast, and I'm southwest, and we're complete opposite points of Ohio. But maybe we can have a little bit of a FTO. Uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Just kind of give you guys uh, not just like a tuning your home, but you're, you're showing that you want to get other people involved to do it and build in a community. So this way you can get uh, friends, family, kids out there to, to show them the value of making sure stuff stays maintains cleanliness. So this way, then we ha- they have something to utilize in the future. Absolutely. And like one of the, one of the greatest parts about like where we hunt, is like it backs up to the property that I grew up hunting. Um, we call it the old man camp now. It's where my dad and all his buddies go and hang out. They call it hunting. It's mostly just, you know, sitting around your whitey tighties and drinking beer until evening rolls around. Somebody's got to fire up the grill. But the piece of property that we do, the piece of public land that we do hunt is like one of those gems left in Ohio where you can get back in there and you're not going to see any trash. There's nothing laying around. We just kind of get spoiled when we go there. It, it's it, you go to any other parts. Our biggest national forest here in Ohio is called Wayne National, <laughs> and the trails are pretty littered up. Um, it's not it's not as bad as it is up here in the Cleveland area. If you go out on our public land around, you know, Chardon, anything near Cleveland, you know, you, you'll see nothing but the cat eyes nailed into the trees, leftover beer can, shotgun shells sitting everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we, in, in that fact, in sense of, you know, the, the pollution and littering that gets strewed about, we get real spoiled every year down in our, our honey hole that we have lived at for about five years now for deer season. That's awesome. Like even the public land I hunt, I rarely see any garbage. Because there's a, when I'm sitting out there, I can see, listen to people walking by and they're always picking up garbage too. But I would even when I'm walking back in the bluff country, I, I rarely see any garbage, even shotgun shells. Well, they here they can use rifles. So I don't, I rarely see any 30 out six, 33 rounds out there that everybody polices the brass. So it's, it's been quite uh, rewarding when you walk out there to bow hunter and you really see, you don't see any uh, garbage. And then I can hunt all the way up until January 31st in the county hunting. Still see no garbage, which is which is a rewarding experience. So you never know what you're going to find. But I always police my uh, brass and also clean up all the garbage that I bring. I rarely bring anything out there to eat. So if I do, I throw it right back in my bag because I'm not going to do that. Absolutely. So um, kind of like looking forward into what we goals for this year. We kind of started FTO last year. Uh, what I had in mind was getting together a 
uh, you know, eight, maybe to 10, 12 people together, just like this and, uh, putting money together to actually open up like our own, uh, piece of land lease in Ohio. Yeah. Um, so I think that's going to be something we're going to continue to work on. I don't know if it's going to be able to happen this year with, you know, Caroline leaving. We're, we're, we're still short a couple of members because land leases in Ohio are going to run anywhere from like, you know, if you, if you want 40 acres, it's going to be probably like anywhere from three to $5,000, you know, to get that taxed on. I don't know what mm-hmm. land prices look up, look like up your way, but that's generally what you're going to pay in Ohio to get a year land lease is anywhere from two to five. And then if you're, if you're looking you know, for your two to 300 acre plots, you better have a good membership of 20, 30 people that are willing to shell out some cash because it gets a little, a little steep. But what we're really looking into is, you know, there I've, I've been really interested in with the last year is looking into getting a land lease for all of us to be able to go in on. And then maybe slowly over into the future, start bringing on people that we know, you know, put hunts on stuff like that. The nice thing is if you guys are just patient enough, we're going to see our economy is going to eventually gonna break. So if you just guys pool your money, and especially you're working, like you're working for the military or working for police officers, you're never going to go out of work. You just patiently just wait, and that opportunity is going to show up. And then just all you do is, or you're looking for places that haven't paid their property taxes, and just come in, snipe it out real fast. And you got some property there because it's the downside about living in America. Like when you buy something, you actually don't really buy it; you rent it. And it's just like, and you'd never be able to, if you don't pay your taxes, somebody comes in, takes it off you. Right. And that's a big thing is you got to pay attention to intermental bane, make it populate. Cause we've seen a big purchase of a, of a big tech billionaire buying up 250,000 acres of land. So that your, your biggest competition is some, it's like, we we're, if we're not careful, we're going to like Europe where you're only to hunt on land. You have to be part of a club, an elite club. Right. So right. So just be patient. You may, but I think that's a fantastic strategy, but getting to your question about prices, we're depending on the county because Wisconsin is known for poach, uh, shooting big bucks. It could run right. you a five, some some counties up towards a 10 grand. Other counties, one to one to five. So all depends yep. on where you're sitting on food, water, coverage. Right. Yeah. And the good thing about Ohio is we, unless you're, you know, start looking around corn country, your mid Ohio and your Western states where it's all flat cornfield, uh, what I consider just all the row hunting. But most of southeastern Ohio and uh, the good northeastern pocket of it, and anything that borders PA, it, it, you're generally going to have good whitetail habitat, no matter where you look. I'm not, and I'm not discrediting the corn, the corn hunters or the flatlanders. I mean, that, that it has its, it has its, you know, its its say in the party. But um, if, I, if I'm really going to start taking shopping seriously, it's probably going to be down in the southeastern region where I know the habitat's good, and I've, mm-hmm. I've literally hunted my whole life. Yeah. Yeah, there's some places in Iowa and in Western Minnesota, Western Iowa, that they don't have hunting seasons because back in 2013, we had a really, we went, I think it was a hundred and some days in some areas where the temperatures were below zero and the deer population never recovered because they just, oh, they, really? they, they didn't have any place to hide. I mean, we, 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 and then those last couple of seasons, they've been fairly warm. Like right now it's like we, today we hit 40 degrees, but then again, we just got done with a three weeks, uh, a run of having just a high of zero. So, but then again, but a, Moses. but a couple of years ago, then we, uh, Minneapolis had 120 days. Rochester, where I lived at was 99 days at zero. They didn't reach high, any higher than zero. So it's like that did a big damage where we used to be able to get five tags for private land down to one. Oh yeah. And Ohio took it. Ohio's taken a huge hit in the last two years, which is really surprising for all of us. Um, public land now, like, I mean, when I was growing up all, all up till three years ago, you're allowed anywhere from, depending on which county you live in, they probably start breaking Ohio down into your zones and which county. 
um, Ohio put a restriction on just to gain the, I don't know if they're trying to reel in the population, the population back up. Um, I haven't read too terribly far into it, but anybody that's a public land hunter in Ohio now gets one doe and one buck and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, up until three years ago, I mean, you were guaranteed, you, you were getting five tags as long as you hunted in the South. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a huge change for us. So pretty much if you want to bring, you know, fill your freezer and you're not a public land hunter, you know, you yeah, got pri- to be a private land, know somebody. And, you know, us five, we've loved public land and, you know, we don't have those honey holes where it's just like a, Hey man, you got 40 acres in your backyard and we just can't sit there and fill another three or four tags. Because again, every County is a little bit different. We, we have one deer counties mm-hmm. up to four mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. for the whole year. So trying yeah. to find that balance, it really limits you. You know, me, I'm shooting a deer or this last year I shot the deer the first day. You know, I can only shoot a buck for the rest of the season. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's the rough part. You're going to watch <laughs> yeah. a lot of deer walk if you take your doe early. Yeah. Yeah. I, my wife and I hunted, we had four uh, doe tags piece, a piece, and we had one buck tag statewide. So we had eight tags between the two of us. Needless to say, that was a very uh, well. Tags were only five bucks a piece. It wasn't a very expensive tag soup, but it right. was quite a spicy. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some protein tag. in there. Yeah, yeah. I had some protein in there. <laughs> so I think we've 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 had. Some, do you guys have anything else you want to get off your chest? I think I think we've covered our bases. I mean, just you know, pay attention to our content. We're going to keep improving on it. This this is definitely going to be a big building year for field uh, for uh, forgotten trails. We're going to see what we can put together within the next year. I think I think this is going to be this is going to be fun to follow along with. If you oh, like awesome. mushrooms, but you know, certainly. Uh, oh, that's true. Page. Yeah, mushrooms coming up. Oh yeah, that that's that's like Caroline's. That's that's bread and butter. <laughs> that's Her Caroline's house. bread and butter is talking about mushrooms. She's so uh, gonna... probably the one of the better better cooks, kind of, uh, in the group there, and for edible edible plants, she knows tons. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome, Caroline. Then, yeah, because I, I just tonight before I got on the phone, get on the Zoom with you guys, I had some uh, meatloaf that my my buddy brought up from uh, the deers they they shot this year down in Iowa. It's like meatloaf, venison meatloaf with a little bit of pork, oh, the oatmeal in there to keep everything nice and tight. It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, Eric. You got anything? No, no, we're good. Like I said, you know, try and follow our page. You know, you can DM us. Uh, you know, our, our email is forgotten trails outdoors at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us any tidbits or maybe, you know, if you got tournaments or things, maybe we can show up to, you know, we're, we're trying to learn, we're trying to expand. You know, if you want to pick our brains or, you know, where we will hunt, we'll come, we'll come to you. You know, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're, always, we'll willing, we're always, we're always willing to take people out or meet up with people anywhere in Ohio or surrounding area. I mean, yeah. this year I hunted West Virginia for a big hunt out and the Monica Hill National Forest and, you know, anybody that's going to be in the Ohio area, Wayne National, anything Southern, I mean, we're, we're more than welcome or we're more than happy to meet up with somebody to, you know, just mm-hmm. get some camaraderie going. I mean, this, this is a giant family. So like we started the conversation, hunting is just, you know, we're a group. We have a passion for the outdoors. A lot of it is networking and, you know, we get to talk like this and bounce ideas off and, you know, you know somebody who knows somebody who is just like, yeah, come on, you know, you can get that lease, you can get that access. Uh, you know, it's we're we're really looking forward to the future, and you know, we're hoping everyone can, you know, watch us grow. 
Awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on the podcast. And this is this is a lot of fun for having this many faces. It worked out very well. Oh, thanks for having us, man. We appreciate yeah, it. Really we're yes, we're, we're thank you for looking to doing this again eventually, hopefully. Thank you.